Well, as we've been looking throughout this series, we've been reading that same scripture over and over again to be reminded that we are definitely in a spiritual battle. That we are battling forces that we don't see behind. The evil that we see in this world is a deeper darkness, we've said throughout this entire series. And we're constantly being reminded, and Paul is using the metaphor of this armor that a Roman soldier would wear to remind us that we haven't been sent into this war zone without protection, without a way to battle. That he's given us this armor for a specific reason, that is to help protect us. Not only to protect us, but to help us advance against our enemy. And so this morning we're taking up another piece of that armor, and it's this belt of truth that you see here, and maybe this gives you the illusion that I'm wearing it, because I'm not trying it on, because while it's a replica, there's still no elastic in it, and I don't think it'll fit. So, but there's this belt of truth that we want to look at this morning, and, and really as we get into this topic of truth today, it's a deep, deep topic, and we don't have the time this morning, nor do I have, I think, the mental capacity to be able to explain it in 20 minutes, so, or less, right? But I want to get into what God's Word says about truth this morning, because I do believe truth is important. Truth is important in our world today, and, and, and actually, the world agrees with us for the most part, and I think most of us would agree that truth is important. I looked up this, this idea of truth being important, and it was in the Encyclopedia Britannica that I read, people need the truth about the world in order to thrive. Now, there's a word that, that people can grab onto today, to thrive. Truth is important. Believing what is not true is apt to spoil people's plans and may even cost them their lives. Telling what is not true may result in legal and social penalties. The truth is important. And so a question I have is, does the truth matter to you? Well, as a follower of Jesus Christ, the truth, if you are a follower of Jesus, the truth should matter. It should be of great importance to you because it was of great importance to Jesus. Jesus himself tells us this. It's in this exchange between himself and Pontius Pilate when he was being tried and being ready to be crucified. He's standing before Pilate, and Pilate's asking him some questions, and the question that preceded this, he says to Jesus, so you are a king, to which Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Pilate looks at Jesus and says, what is truth? And walks away. <clears throat> the very embodiment of truth is standing right in front of him. The one who could answer the question is standing right in front of him, and Pilate just dismisses him and, and walks away. How I so wish he would have asked, <laughs> help me understand what is truth. But that was not his response. And so often today, that's the response we see in our world. And so often today, sadly to say, often within the church, those that consider themselves and us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, sometimes are like, we dismiss the truth. I mean, we don't like to be lied to. But sometimes we're okay with the lie. Sometimes it, it, it kind of helps us, we think. It, it, get through things, because it, it really doesn't expose the truth. And sometimes truth can expose things that maybe make us uncomfortable, and that's the last thing we want, is to be more uncomfortable than we already are. Let me give you an example. In this 2015 film, Concussion, Dr. Bennett Amalu, who was played by Will Smith, 
It's a true story of him, a, a pathologist from Nigeria, who was a coroner in, in Allegheny County in Pennsylvania, was given the responsibility of examining, doing an autopsy on a man named Mike Webster. Mike Webster was the center of the offensive line of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the then, I don't know how many times, you know, repeating Super Bowl champions. And Mike Webster was the, the like, the Iron Mike, the guy in the middle of that line who was just a phenomenal beast of a man. But yet, he died at the age of 50. And Dr. Bennett Amalu was given the responsibility of examining him to find out if they could determine a reason why. And the thing that he said that was shocking to him is that he looked at the brain of Mike Webster, and it looked like the brain of a person who was much, much older. It shouldn't have looked like that. And what he found was this chronic trauma encephalopathy, I believe is how you pronounce it, this damage to the brain that can cause Parkinson's disease, Alzheimer's, ALS, dementia, and, and depression. And he sees that in, this, in the brain of a 50-year-old who seems like a strong guy, but yet his brain is completely damaged. And, and he started an investigation to find out why this existed. And he wrote a paper and published it so that the NFL would see it and read it and make some changes because he, just, he, he found out that this was something that was happening in a lot of football players. A lot of ex-football players were dying at younger ages, killing themselves and, and experiencing all kinds of problems and, and traced it back to this brain damage that was being done to these players who'd been playing football since they were young and being told that since they wore a helmet, they were protected. And he presented it to the NFL, and the NFL tried to discredit him. And they didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear the truth. And one of the NFL people said to him, well, it's not that we, don't, we disagree, it's just that the, 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 the ramifications of this would be tremendous, and, and we, can't, we can't have this getting out. Well, eventually it did come out, and actually it made its way into a film and how the NFL had to redo and reconfigure how they actually played the game because of the danger of it. The truth will make you change, and that's oftentimes why we don't want to encounter the truth, because we like the things the way they are. We like our football. And we don't want to think that these guys that we're paying to watch are killing themselves. We don't want to think that. And so we will lie to ourselves and say, it's just a game. But it's more than that. The same is true of this as well, too, you know, cigarettes. For years, cigarette companies lied to the, to the public, the world public, that it wasn't, it wasn't as dangerous. It was, they weren't doing anything to addict people, and, and it wasn't a big deal. And finally, of course, we know now that, yeah, it is a big deal, but still people continue to smoke in light of the truth. But they don't want, you don't want to hear this truth, especially if you're a smoker, right? Because now, Tony, you've gone from preaching to meddling, and, and I, don't, I don't like that. But that's what happens when you confront the truth. The truth confronts you. And oftentimes it exposes the lies in your own life. And sometimes they're uncomfortable, right? We, we want to know the truth except when the truth makes us uncomfortable. And so we try to maybe like not pay so much attention to it. But as a follower of Jesus, if we're truly a follower of Jesus, then we have to look at what Jesus' words say and say, well, if they were that important to Jesus, if the truth was so important to Jesus that he gave his life for it, then maybe we should take the truth just as important in our life. Which is why Paul talks about this 
belt of truth, that we should gird our waist with this belt of truth. This word gird there means to actually be ready, to be prepared. And we are to be prepared, and that's wrapping around our waist. They would have wrapped this belt around them, and it would have like gathered everything together and kept things together. The other thing that this belt would have done, on it would have held the sheath that the sword would have been held in. So this belt was something that was necessary to keep things together, but also to hold their, hold their sword. They're one big weapon. It's interesting, as we've been going through this series, maybe you've recognized it, maybe you've picked it out, and maybe you've thought about this. I had one person ask me already, because it's like, wait a minute, are we not going in the same order as everybody else? And it's like, no, we're not going in the same order as everybody else. We're not going in the same order as the text. We've been going out of order, because as a church, we bought one suit of armor. We didn't buy four. We bought one suit of armor. And so we've been moving pieces around from site to site every week, and so you just can't teach on the same thing every weekend. But it all holds together. But I want to point something out because Paul begins this whole section about armor with the belt of truth. The very first thing he says is to gird your waist with truth. That's what brackets in this whole armor. And then he finishes with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. What hangs on the belt? The sword, the Word of God. The truth and the Word of God bracket it all together. Everything that we've been talking about for these last five weeks has been about the truth. The truth about God, the truth about ourselves, and the truth about the world around us. And the truth about the battle that we're in. And he brackets it all in with the truth. Jesus says, the Word is truth. He's praying for his disciples the night before he was sent to Pilate to be put on trial. And he says this, He's praying to his heavenly Father, and he says, My prayer is not that you take them, his disciples, out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. See, if you have a problem with this idea that there's an evil force, a supernatural force in the world, then you have a problem with Jesus. Because Jesus says there's an evil force in the world. That's not the only place he says it. He says there is. And he says that we need to be protected from it. How? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That word sanctify means to be made like him, to be made holy. We say our mission is to look, live, and love more like Jesus. It's to be sanctified into the image of Jesus. You could read that, to be made more like me by the truth. Your word is truth. It is this word of Jesus. It's this word of God that transforms us. It's this word of God that is truth, Jesus says. Now we can argue that, I'm not sure I believe everything that's written in here, and, and you can argue that, but you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with Jesus himself. So as a Christian, I think we have to make decisions about what do we think about this? And do we ignore it because it makes us uncomfortable? Or do we ignore it because maybe we just don't know it? And we believe something that we've been told. And we're just not sure what it says. Well, let me see if I can help convince you a little bit. Not that God's word needs any help. But let me see if I can help. This is what we read about God's word and about God himself. The writer of Hebrews says, It is impossible for God to lie. Now, my children would like to have convinced me that it was impossible for them to tell me a lie. But that just wasn't true. 
right? But God's, God's word says he doesn't lie. And so how do you, how do you know that? Well, you put it to the test. You, you actually study it and, and actually put it against what, it actually, what you actually see, and you, and you look in history to see if, has God lied? Did he go back on his word? Did he, did he say something that didn't happen or wasn't going to happen? And we see over and over again, God doesn't lie. It's, it's part of his essential character. That's who he is. He tells the truth, and sometimes we avoid him because he does. But see, here's the opposite. This is what Jesus says. He says, you belong, talking to the Pharisees, he says, you belong to the devil. There it is again. Jesus believes there's a devil. He says, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when we dismiss the truth, when we exchange the truth of God for a lie, we suppress the truth, and, and we do damage to our own self. Remember the Encyclopedia Britannica says, telling what is not true may result in legal, social, or, or penalties, or even death, when we ignore the truth. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. That's exactly what the Scripture is saying. We ignore the truth, we do so at our own peril. The truth matters. And we see that in Jesus' own words, and so it should matter to us. But then the question is, so then how do I know what is truth? And, and where do I, I kind of like put everything up and, and decide what is true and what, what isn't? How can I do that? Right? And especially in a world that says, well, the truth isn't out there. The truth is in here. Whatever's true for you is true for you. Whatever's true for me is true for me. Is that true? God's word doesn't say that. So how do, we, how, do we, how do we discern that? Well, one of the ways we do that around here, that we encourage people to do that, is with each other. And we do that in Bible studies, where we actually get around God's Word, and we actually study God's Word and learn God's Word, and we do that with one another. And one of the best ways that, that I've ever done that was years ago. I mean, years ago. And, and it's through this study called Experiencing God. It's, it's a transformational book. It's still out there today. It's something you could still go through. Small groups are still going through this because it is transformational. And one of the examples in that book that I, I know I've quoted before, but I'm going to share it again because I think it's so important to this point of trying to understand and discern truth. He uses this story about the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, and he does so because he's Canadian. And so he's talking about the counterfeit division within, like, within the United States. It's the Secret Service, right? They're responsible for counterfeit. And in the Canadian government and Canadian law enforcement, it's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. And, and they have a whole division tr trained to spot counterfeit bills. And the way they train their officers is they train them to study the authentic Canadian currency. That's how they train. They study nothing else. They study only the authentic Canadian currency. Why? Because there's a thousand fakes out there. But there's only one true bill. And if you can learn that bill so well, if you know it backwards and forwards, you can spot a lie, you can spot a counterfeit like that. And that's what he says about God's word. If we want to understand what's a lie, what's a truth, we need to know this word so well 
that when we, when we hear something, or it's like, whoa, well, I'm not sure God said that. I'm not sure that's what, I'm, maybe, can you show me where you, where you read that? That's how well we are called to know this, this book. Jesus says it's important. His word is truth. It's important to us. We should know this. He illustrates that point, I think, so well in, in John chapter 10. And it's a story, this parable of the good shepherd. And Jesus calls himself the good shepherd. And this is what he says about the good shepherd. He says, when he has brought out all his own, all his sheep, he goes ahead of them and he leads them. And his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They recognize his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. He's saying the same thing. That's exactly what Black would be saying in this whole illustration. I won't take that currency because that's a fake. I, 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 don't, I, I can't buy that because that's not what God's word says. But in order to understand that, we need to be familiar with this voice so that we know it. So that we can recognize it. That's our defense against the evil one because he's, his, 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 his advances against us are lies. And how do we discern the lie from the truth? We have to know the truth so well that the lie just sort of pops out like these lights in a dark place. It's easy to spot. But it takes hard work. It takes time. It takes effort. But Jesus says it's essential for you to thrive. For he goes on, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, that they may thrive. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Again, Jesus reminds us of the whole purpose that he came was to lay his life down for us to remind us of this truth. But to actually get this word into us, to actually study this word, it takes time. And it takes effort. And, and it takes a commitment as a follower of Jesus to say, yeah, I, 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 I'm not a reader, okay? I'm not a reader, but I, I, I can try. I can, I, can, I can try because it's important to Jesus. This is what G.K. Chesterton says. He says, the Christian ideal has not been found tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. It's not that people have tried Christianity and found it lacking or found it false or found it wanting or, you know, not fulfilling. It's no. What's happened is it's been found difficult. The truth can challenge us. It's been found difficult, and so we don't try it because it's too hard. That's what's happened. We've been convinced that getting into this book and reading this book and actually living by what this book says is hard, and it is hard. It is difficult. But Jesus says it's rewarding. It's fulfilling. It is truly the life he came to give you. That will give you that joy and satisfaction that nothing else in this world will give you. It will give you a relationship with him. And so how do, you, how do you get into this word? You know, how, how do I understand 
who Jesus is. And it's just by getting into the Word. Some people would ask me, so tell me about Terry. And I'm like, well, if you really want to know Terry, you need to get to know Terry, Terry, my wife. Don't ask me, ask her. Get to know her, and you'll know her better than I could describe her. The same thing is true about God's Word. Rather than listening to somebody tell you about God's Word, get into God's Word. Experience Jesus for yourself. And the cool thing about it is, is what you find in this Word is that when you do that, you don't do it alone. It says, no one comes to the Father except those who the Father calls. And when he calls you and he calls you his own, here's what he does. He puts the Spirit in you. And Jesus says, I leave so that he will do that. And when he does that, that Spirit will now come, the Spirit of truth. And he will guide you through all truth. We have a built-in guidance system. We just need to tap into it. And right here is the way we tap into it. By tapping into the truth with the spirit of truth. And he will guide us through this. But we don't just do that alone. We do it with others. It's a great picture of a small group, I think. It's how we battle in this world. It's how we get through this world and how we struggle through this world together. We don't do it alone. We don't study this book alone. We do it together and we admit that I don't want to do that. I I really don't want to do that. And and I have brothers and sisters that come alongside me and, and, and sometimes gently and sometimes not so gently remind me of, yes, you really do want to do that. You're listening to the wrong voice. There's somebody out there that's lying to you and you're buying it hook, line, and sinker. You don't really want to do that. So we need to get into God's Word so we can discern the truth and experience the life that Jesus has called us to live. And here's the thing about this Christian life that Jesus calls us to, the truth about this life, is that it is of ultimate importance. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, one must keep on pointing out that Christianity is a statement which, if false, is of no importance. And if true, is of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he is your Lord and Savior. He says the truth is of ultimate importance because it's the reason he came into the world was to testify to the truth. So the word of God is either of infinite importance or it's of absolutely no importance whatsoever. It can't be moderately important. It just doesn't exist. This is either the truth or it's not. And if it's not the truth, don't spend a day in it. Don't spend a minute of your life in it. But if it is the truth, you should spend the rest of your life diving in and swimming in this word and chewing on this word and absorbing this word. Because it is of infinite importance, not just for you, but for the generations to come. The people that don't know Jesus, that don't know the truth, that have listened to the, this version of a truth that you hear in media today or through, through false teachers. Scripture says in Hebrews that we should test everything. And so I tell you again, test what I'm telling you. Don't just take what I say or anybody says for, for granted. Test it through this word. 
We should put everything to the test. Jesus says in, in, in Jeremiah, when we seek him, we'll find him when we seek him with his whole heart. Seek him, he says, and you will find him here. Okay, so truth isn't just words or propositions. Truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the life. When we seek after the truth, we find Jesus. And the truth we find Jesus testifying to is the love the Father has for every single one of you. That before the creation of the world, before anything was created, before the world ever came into existence, God knew what the price would be for creating human beings. He knew it would be the cost of the life of his son. And yet he chose to do it anyway. You know, I can imagine this conversation happening where the Spirit looks at the Father and says, well, you know if you do this, he's going to have to die. And he did it anyway. Why? Because you are of ultimate importance. That's what this book tells you. That's what the truth says. You can ignore the lies that say you're not worth it. You can ignore the lies that say you're less than because that's not what this word says. You are of ultimate importance because that's the reason Jesus came into the world so that you would know that and the world would know that, but the world doesn't know that. They know hateful Christians. They know judgmental Christians. They know Christians that think we're better, but that's not Jesus. They have encountered Jesus. To encounter Jesus, Christians need to spend time in this word and let this word change us and mold us and just change us and sanctify us in the truth. That's his call on our life as Christians, to be that difference in the world. And to do that, we need to spend time in this word. We need to spend time with each other studying this word because the things I'm blind to, I'm blind to and I can't see them. And I need your help. And so if you're not in a group, <laughs> you're going to get tired of me and say, get into a group. We need to be in group together. We need to be immersed in this word, not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of the world that doesn't know him. We need to gird ourselves with the belt of truth because we live in a battlefield all day. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that you would be so kind it's so loving that you would not only send your son into the world to die for us, but that you would reveal your heart to us. You would be vulnerable with us and sharing your character and sharing your truth with us, people who are disobedient, people who are enemies, people who disregard your truth or diminish your truth. Father, we confess to you this morning that we've made you way too small in our eyes. Way too small. So, Father, we pray for your forgiveness. And at the very same time, your word, your truth testifies that you have paid the price for those sins. And you reach out your hand to us this morning and remind us that we are forgiven. That we have been set free. Go and sin no more. Your word reminds us. Father, we so desire to be that light in the world. We so desire to be Jesus. Give us the courage to seek after the truth. Give us the desire 
to hunger after your truth. For the sake of the world, for the sake of Jesus, we pray that. Amen.